0: about our mission and uh, the title of this message is pray for the mission and I do want you to pray for the mission but we want to talk about um, something deeper Um, we're really talking about what what is our mission remember Jesus said go into all the world and make disciples And so, uh, a disciple is is something very specific, Um, and we need to make sure that we don't confuse the fact that I'm a member of a specific church or denomination, um, that that means I'm a disciple. And so, discipleship, we're all called to discipleship, we're called to be disciples, and in Becoming disciples, we are in turn called to make disciples. Can you guys remember what the mission is? CFC's mission is to reach people and help them grow to become fully functioning followers of Christ. It's basically the Great Commission uh, in an abbreviated form. And we use, we use this term, fully functioning followers, for a specific reason fully functioning. The Scripture calls us members of the body, right? And so how do you want your body to function? Do you want your body to function fully or partially? Well, you want your body to function fully. And so if we are members of the body of Christ, if we are the body of Christ, the Scripture says of our physical bodies, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's amazing how our bodies function. But the function of our natural bodies is really just a type and a shadow of how God wants the body of His people to function together. We should function as members of one another under the headship of Christ as fully, as effortlessly, as wonderfully as our own physical bodies function. Now, the good news is, you know, these physical bodies will wear out one day. But the body of Christ, the body that we've been made a part of, doesn't have finite life, it has eternal life. It doesn't have temporal life, it has eternal life. And we, as the body of believers, guys, we're going to be functioning together. We're going to be living as one together in Christ through all eternity. And we can't just wait until we get to heaven one day and say, well, you know, we'll, we'll all get along one day in heaven. Uh uh Read the scripture. Read the letters Paul wrote to the churches. Read the words of Jesus. What we're called to doesn't start one day in the sweet by and by. It starts right now. Right now where we are. The mission begins with you right where you are, And will be fulfilled as you daily purpose to fulfill it as a lifestyle. That word lifestyle is real important. Because we're not talking about formulas or easy steps to something. We're talking about a lifestyle. Discipleship is a lifestyle. Faith in Christ is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Who we are in Christ and how that manifests through us, in us, to the world, is, is a lifestyle. So we, remember we said the basis of our mission is obedience. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Romans ten fourteen. there's a reason for us to obey. How will they call on him whom they have never heard? And how will they hear if there's not a preacher? who's willing to go. And that word preacher, remember, it's not speaking of someone in the professional ministry. It's not talking about some professional ministerial vocation. That's a spokesperson. We are all spokespersons for God. Amen? And and the message and the voice that speaks most clearly is not our words. It's our life. It's our life. And so we're called. We are spokespersons for God. We have a reason to obey so that others can hear, so that others can know, and so that others can call upon his name. And The motive of our mission, remember we said, has got to be love. You you can't be motivated out of fear. You can't be motivated out of guilt or shame or condemnation. Those things may temporarily motivate you, but they will not lastingly motivate you. The only thing that will not fail is love. Love never fails. The motive of our mission has got to be love, to love God with all your heart, with all your your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that is in, in you to love God. And Jesus said in Matthew 22, the second is like it, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But then in John 13, 34, Jesus gives us a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another the way that I have loved you. And by this, all men will know that you are disciples by the love you have for one another. So the motive of our mission has got to be love. The success of our mission includes you. Do you know that that God God didn't have to create us? God didn't create us because he was lonely. God didn't create us because he had some emotional need that he needed to fill within himself. Mm -mm. He created us in grace, out of love. He chose to love us. We love him because he first loved us, John says. And, And even though... The mission is not dependent upon you. It doesn't happen without you. Success is not dependent upon you. But God in His grace and in His mercy and in His sovereignty has said that that He will not have it without you. He has made you a part of what He has done. Grace has done that. And so we see, remember we we spent two weeks and we looked at the elements of the Acts 2 church. And from Acts 2.42 to Acts 2.47, you see the elements that existed in that very first expression of the church that was birthed on that day of Pentecost when Peter preached that message. And the scripture says in Acts 2.41 that 3,000 souls were added to them that day. And it says they continued steadfastly in the the doctrine of the apostles and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. The fear of the Lord came upon them. it it, it began to list, it says, they continued daily in one accord. They continued steadfastly. They continued daily in one accord with one voice. And then in verse 47 it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Who added to the church? The Lord added to the church. Paul says it this way in in, uh, Corinthians, to the Corinthians he says, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. So Growth or increase or success, whatever word you want to use there, does not depend on you, but it does not happen without you. Amen? So success of our mission includes you. Now I want to talk to you about the goal of our mission. Remember, what's our mission? To reach people, to help them grow, to become fully functioning followers of Christ, to make disciples The goal of our mission is transformation. It's a real important word. Because the indicator of success is not how many people we can pack into this building. It's not how excited you might get during the song service. Or how moved emotionally you might become during the service. The indicator of success is transformation. Transformation transformation has got to transcend everything. It's got to transcend our circumstances, our environment. It's got to transcend our emotions. It's got to transcend anything and everything that, that comes into my life. And so it's got to be transformation that, number one, is birthed by the Spirit. Transformation is not something we do. Transformation is birthed by the Spirit of God. John 3, 3-8. This is when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says, I tell you truly, if a man is going to see the kingdom of heaven, he must be born again. That's transformation. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We've got to be born from above. We've got to be born Of the Spirit, that is transformation. That's where transformation begins. It's birthed by the Spirit. But it's not a one-time event that happens to me. Transformation is an ongoing truth and reality in my life. Romans 12.1, Paul says, Brothers, I beg you, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. No longer being conformed to this world, but being, stop right there. No longer being conformed to this world, but being, that is a continuous action, being. But being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good perfect, and acceptable will of God. And we know what the good, perfect, acceptable will of God is. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. How am I going to prove Christ is in me? How is that proven? We talked about this today in the uh, the Bible study this morning, how when Jesus came to the Pharisees, he said, you guys are like a cup that's all clean on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. You look really good on the outside, you pray nice prayers, you wear nice flowing robes, you got all your little things tied there, your tassels tied, your phylacteries are on and all of that stuff, and you you just look really holy and righteous. But the problem is, you are whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. And it's kind of like we've got it reversed today in the church. We want to preach a gospel that says, it doesn't really matter what I do on the outside, if I've got Jesus on the inside, it's all good. So we want to have a clean cup on the inside, but we're filthy on the outside. The problem with that is, how is the church going to know Jesus is inside of you if they can't see him on the outside of you? Now, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. But if I have become a partaker of his nature, it stands the reason that that nature will begin to manifest through my life. Amen? And it doesn't do that because I work real hard to make that happen. That is is the responsibility of the Spirit. Yet, I have a responsibility. Amen? Amen? Jesus put it this way. He says, love one another the way I've loved you. Put off the old and put on the new. If I am in Christ, now think about this. If I'm in Christ then Christ should be able to be seen through my outer expression. If my life is hidden, God, if it's in Christ, hidden there, in Christ, then what should the world see? The world should see Christ. And this is the point of the writings of the Scripture. This has been the mandate from the very beginning. It's an ongoing process how is transformation affected on an ongoing basis? Paul says, by renewing your mind. So I like to say it like this. The moment I was born again, my spirit was instantly transformed. I mean, it's just like Paul talks about in to the Corinthians. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. I'm telling you what, the moment God regenerated me in the twinkling of an eye. My old dead sinful spirit, my spirit that was dead to God, was regenerated and became alive. Now you don't see that, you still see this flesh, right? Yes. And I believe we're three parts, just like there's a triune God, I believe we have a triune nature. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. At the moment I was regenerated, born again, my spirit was transformed. I know what's going to happen to my flesh, right? The Scripture tells us that this this tent is passing away. This flesh is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's going to pass away. It's either going to die and go back to dust, or it's going to be gloriously transformed one day when the Lord comes from heaven. But one way or the other... This flesh and blood that I have is not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's not not going to. It's going to be changed. And so between my flesh and between my spirit, I have a part of me called my soul. It's the Greek word suke, And it means the seat of your mind, will, and emotions. This is the part of us that must be renewed. Now, When I was saved, when I confessed Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I gave my life to Him, I remember the day it happened. At that moment, I was saved, no doubt about it. But there was a lot of me, there were two parts of me that that didn't change. My flesh didn't change, and I'm telling you what, my soul didn't change right away, but something in me changed, and that... Reality of the Spirit, the rebirth, the regeneration of my spirit, at that moment when, when I received the life of Christ and I was raised in His life and in His power, and I didn't even fully understand what had happened at the moment I was saved. But the Spirit of God began to work. And it's a process that we go through, I believe, our entire lives, of renewing our mind to the reality of Christ in me. This is the process, the ongoing process of transformation. And here's the promise Jesus has made. If we are truly born again, we will produce good fruit. If we are of the good tree, we will produce the fruit of the tree. If if I have life that comes from the root, and Christ is the root, if he is my life, then his life will manifest through me. My dog barks all night long. You don't believe me? Come spend the night at my house. Now, very few things wake me up, but I'm telling you what, for some reason, and last night I woke up and I could, it sounded like the coyotes were just right outside my window my dogs were going crazy. You know why my dogs bark? And how? Because they're dogs. That's what they do. Now, I don't like it, But if I'm going to have dogs, I just need to accept the fact that dogs will behave like dogs. They bark, they howl, they dig under the fence, they climb over the fence, they go through the fence, they chase the neighbor's cows, they tear up things. So there's a price to pay if you're going to be an animal lover and a a pet owner, right? You're going to have to put up with some of those things. It's unreasonable for me to go out there and say, now listen, you boys and you girls, You should act like good boys and girls. They just look at me and wag their tail. (laughs) Why? Because they're dogs. They don't act like good boys and girls because they're not boys and girls. They're dogs. Peter says this. Some people use this scripture text to try to prove something that Peter's not saying. Peter says a dog will always return to its vomit. It's kind of gross, right? And a pig will always return to its mire and just wallow in the mud. You know why? Because they never stop being dogs. That's not a saved person who lost their salvation. That's a person who may have learned a lot of nice God tricks and confessed and acted like God, but here's what the Scripture says. Your nature will always betray God who you truly are. And if you have never been changed from a dog to a child of God, then a dog will always go back to its vomit. And a pig, you can put lipstick on her, you can dress her up and put makeup on her, put bows around her neck, but she is not going to be anything ever more than a pig. And she will always eventually return to the mud. Why? Because she's a pig. That's what pigs do. But Paul says this to the Colossians, you once were sons of disobedience. Implying you once were, but you're not now. You are children of light, he said to the Ephesians. So, walk. Walk in the light. Why? Because you're children of light. Colossians, you were once sons of disobedience. Put off those old things and put on Christ. Why? Because you have become a partaker of His nature. Church, this is is the goal of transformation. This is what discipleship is about. The work of transformation is the work of being conformed to the image of Christ. And transformation is not measured by one another. That's why Paul says it's unwise to compare yourselves to one another. The measure of transformation is Christ Himself. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And here's what he said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4. Here's our measure. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the measure of transformation. Transformation. We're not being conformed to a denomination. We're not being conformed to man's idea of what and who God is. We are being conformed to Christ. He is the image that God has given us. He is the image we were created in. He is the image that we have now been born again to possess and to be conformed to. Amen? While you're in Ephesians, go back to the first chapter. Ephesians chapter 1. While we're talking about transformation, I want you to think about this. It's what I call the Genesis mandate. Do you realize the mandate from the beginning? What did God tell Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? He wasn't talking about just filling it with children, it began with an image. Let us create man in our image. There is the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know who the person of that Trinity was that created all things because the Scripture tells us by him, through him, and for him, Christ, all things were created. And we were specifically created in the image of Christ that we would go forth and fill the earth with that image that the glory of God through the image of Christ where is the glory of God seen 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 for it is the same God who shone light from the darkness first creation that has shone a light in our hearts new creation that we might see the glory of God where in the face of Jesus Christ. Where is the glory of God seen, church? It's seen, the scripture says, in the face of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God has always purposed that his glory would fill this earth and his glory would be known through the image of his son, Jesus Christ. This is why today we are called the Body of Christ. This is why it's not my head or your head or George Washington's or Benjamin Franklin's or anybody else's head that the church is identified with. There's one head. His name is Jesus. There's one face that reveals the glory of God. It is the face of Jesus Christ. There is one identity of the one new man that he has created in himself, Ephesians chapter 2. That identity is Jesus Christ. You are known by God the Father. How? Through the identity of Jesus Christ. Because Christ prepared a way for you that was impossible for anyone else to prepare. He prepared a way, made a way, and has brought you to where He is. Where is that? In the presence of the Father, John 14, 21. Read it. Read the Scripture. Read the Scriptures, church. This is why it's important for us. This is why Paul says things like in Ephesians 2, Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, you Corinthians, love one another. Quit fussing and fighting over your gifts and let love, let the fruit of the Spirit reveal who you truly are. Put away childish things. Grow up and know who you are the way you are known. Who knows us? The Father knows us. How does he know us? He knows us in his Son. See, the problem with most people today, it's an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. We fuss and fight and we divide and we become covetous and jealous over what each other has. Why? Because we're in identity crisis. Paul is saying, if you guys knew who you were in Christ... If you knew yourself the way the Father knows you, if you you only knew how complete the Father sees you because you're in the Son, you, you wouldn't have any insecurities. You wouldn't have any jealousy. You wouldn't have those things. He's saying, listen, if you're in Christ, that has become a reality. So what do we need to do? We need to renew our mind to that reality and live in that truth and let that truth make us free. This is what transformation does. This is why the goal of what we're talking about has got to be transformation. It's got to be more than you just saying, man, I'm good to go now. i got my ticket to heaven and I'm just going to wait it out here on earth until that's not what we're called to do. The same transformation that has changed us, that is transforming us, now we become agents of transformation. We become people who affect transformation. We fulfill the Genesis mandate. Look at this first, in, in uh, Ephesians 1. Let me just read Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. Let's begin in verse 17. <clears throat> Sometimes if you want to know what your prayers should be, you know what? It's a real good exercise. Go through the Scripture and, and, and highlight in and Mark. Just do it in the epistles. Look what Paul prayed for. Let those same things be the subject of our prayers. Let us begin to pray with the same heart that Paul prayed with, or the same heart that Christ prayed with. Amen? Here's what he says. That the God of our Lord, this is his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Oh, some of you guys need to highlight that right there. Because you think it's according to the working of your mighty power and the, the, the... Here's the reality. We have no mighty power. Aren't you glad it's not according to the working of your mighty power? It's according to the working of His mighty power. Hallelujah. Man, that makes me want to jump and shout. Which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Do you see he's covered all the bases there? He's not left anything in question here. Where is Christ? He is far above. What? Everything. In this age and in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. You know where that is? You know where that puts us? Gave him to be head over all things to the church. If he's the head and we're the body, we're right there with him. And if everything is under his feet, the feet are part of what? The body. And if that speaks of us, the church, that means all things are under our feet as well. But some of us don't believe it because we're too busy looking at earthly things instead of the victory that we have already won in Christ. Now, here's where we get confused. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, what about, you know, the problems I'm going through? Well, listen, nowhere in the Scripture does it say we're not going to have problems. Nowhere does it say we won't have tribulation. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised we would have tribulation. But he also said, be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. We looked at this Scripture today. Hold your place right there in Ephesians. I'm not doing very good, am I? It's all, I'm almost out of time, and I haven't got the, the main part of my message, God, have I? But that's okay. Hold your place there in Ephesians and go to uh, Hebrews. Go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. We're talking about the mission... And the goal of our mission is transformation. And transformation is possible because Jesus has made a way. He's already put all things under his feet. Now look at this. Hebrews 2 you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see who? Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. We don't yet see all things under him, but we see Jesus. What does Paul say right here? He has... Raised Christ, he has seated him far above all principality and power. He has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. That's us, which is his body. Look at this, verse 23. The fullness of him who fills all. What does all mean? means all. Who fills all. Is there anything that that... that he doesn't fill, who fills all. If he fills all, in all, is there any area of the universe, some galaxy far, far away that he hasn't filled yet? Mm -mm. He fills all, in all. Do we see that yet? No. So stop looking at those things that are of the earth. This is what Paul told the Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Read it. Read the first three verses of Colossians, not right now, but when you get home. Write that down. The problem is we're looking at earthly things, and he says, get your eyes up above where Christ is. All things have been put under his feet, though we do not see all things under his feet yet, but we see Jesus. This is why the scripture says, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, the beginner and completer of our faith. Don't look at these temporal things. This earth is passing away. These circumstances are temporary. That war is not going to be there for eternity. That that destruction that's happening in the earth, in the nations, in your family, in your personal life, it's, that's not who you are. You will pass through this valley of shadow. You will. Get your eyes off the valley, get your eyes off the shadow, and get them on Jesus. Even though you don't see all things under His feet yet, Put your eyes on Jesus, because you can see Him. You can see Him. And know, even though you don't see all things under His feet, know that all things have been put under His feet. Well, how do I know that, Pastor Jeff? Because that's what the Scripture declares. Now, whose word are you going to believe? We can go back to the children of Israel. Standing at the entrance to the promised land... And 12 spies come back, 10 with an evil report and two with a good report. And the question is, whose report are we going to believe? Well, I see giants and I don't think we can take them. Joshua and Caleb says, well, I see the Lord and he's bigger than the giants and I don't have any doubt that we can take them. They made a fatal mistake. Literally, it was a fatal mistake because all but two of them died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. They believe the wrong report. Now, you can say, yeah, you know, Pastor Jeff, I read the newspaper every day. I watch CNN at least 12 hours a day. Well, that's your problem right there. Stop watching CNN. Stop watching all of them. And get your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, but I don't see all things under Jesus. Well, are you going to believe what you see? Are you going to believe what the Word declares? you going to be like the children of Israel who believed what they saw, giants in the land? Are you going to believe the Word of the Lord? That's your land, go in there and take it. I am the Lord who's with you. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. Are you going to believe what you see in the earth? Are you going to believe Jesus, who you can see? say, well, I I don't see him. Well, you need to see him the same way Abraham saw him, and the same way Abel saw him, and the same way Noah saw him, and the same way Moses saw him. You might not see Him face to face. You might not be up on a mountain of fire. But I'm going to tell you what. The Spirit of God will give you eyes, spiritual eyes of faith to see Jesus, head and shoulders above everything. And if you'll believe His Word, you'll believe that He has put all things under His feet, which is you. And He is the head over all things. And you are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Can you see Jesus filling all in all? We need to, church, because that's what the scripture declares. This is the part, the, the point of transformation. This was the mandate from the very beginning. If we don't believe that, then we've got a problem. And see, discipleship is not just about making sure we're going to go to heaven one day. It is about affecting transformation that begins in my life and should spread out from there and affect transformation all around me. Not because I have the power to do it, but the Spirit working in me and through me has the power to affect that transformation. Amen? Pray for the mission. What do I mean by that? I'm talking to you about a lifestyle. Those four letters that make up the word pray represent a reality that should speak of how we live our life. It's a lifestyle of presenting, present yourself to God. Brothers, I beg you that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1. John 13.34, that you would love one another the way that I love you, that you would present his love to one another. We looked at the Great Commission Matthew 28. and Mark... Luke's gospel, the book of Acts, the Great Commission is given there. Present his gospel to all. How do you do that? It begins with a transformed life. You can't present his gospel if you don't present his love. And you can't present his love until his love has changed you and transformed you. God has made a way for you to come and to present yourself to Him. That we would live a lifestyle of presenting ourselves, of presenting His love, of presenting His gospel. To bring, to give, to lay before, to present. To be ready, to be prepared, to be willing for what, available for what, equipped for what, ready to preach the gospel, ready to be a spokesperson for God through my lifestyle through my words, through my tone, through my actions. And then when I preach the gospel, when I speak the scripture, I'll have a life that will confirm what my words are declaring. Because I will have presented his love before I presented his gospel. Because the love of Christ in me should be seen through me. Ready to give an answer, Peter says. Ready for every good work, Paul told Titus. To live ready. To be ready. (coughs) To abide. (coughs) Don't worry, I'm not going to finish all this today. We're going to take our time. We'll come back next week. But to abide, I want you to I want you to meditate on these scriptures. I want you to meditate on what it means to abide. That word abide, I I don't know what it does for you, but that word just makes me want to go, it's just like a sigh of relief, of rest, to abide. He's our dwelling place. He's our continuing abode. We are to remain, to dwell, to abide. In him, like a branch abides in a vine. To yield. To be surrendered, to be submitted. To relinquish control. Oh, we don't like that. Because we all want to be in control. And, and, and we at least want Jesus to be my co-pilot. Okay, I'm... At least he'll let me have one steering wheel too, right? No. No, you don't get to drive anything. Why is it so hard for us to relinquish control to him? Why do we have so much trust in ourselves, but we don't have trust in him? Why do you believe you are a better commander of your destiny than Jesus is? Now, we don't want to admit those things outwardly, but the reality is that's the way we live our life. And we need to stop and and ask ourselves, why am I having such a hard time surrendering control of my life to Jesus? We're going to stop right there. And we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk some more about these things. But I want to encourage you to think about this lifestyle. Who do you present yourself to? What do you spend your time, resources, and energy making ready? Where are you abiding? Where do your thoughts abide? Where are your eyes? What are they resting on, fixed on? What about your heart? What's abiding in your heart? Christ is, I hope. But remember, this mind is is in a process of continual renewal. What is it that's abiding, that I'm allowing to abide in this mind that is still contrary to Christ, that is still robbing me of my peace, of my joy? What is it that is not allowing me to relinquish control of my life to the Lord. God, in His grace and mercy, will find a way. He'll get it. He will. And that can be a very painful process. And sometimes we go kicking and screaming, but I'm telling you what, if you will just yield to Him, you will see that Him taking control of your life was the most loving Graceful and merciful thing he could have ever done, and praise God if he has done that. Amen. Let's just close our eyes for just a moment. Lord, we are just amazed at your goodness. Lord, we pray today, even as the Apostle Paul prayed, God, open the eyes of our understanding. God, heal us of blindness. Lord, your word is going forth. Heal our ears, God of the deafness that is hindering us from hearing the word that would set us free. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that you're not after a formula, you're not after several easy steps to some success. Lord, What you've called us to is a lifestyle. And it's got to become a way of living. And Lord, I know that doesn't happen overnight. So we're asking you this morning, Lord, by your grace and mercy, through the power of your spirit, God, that you would transform us. Lord, your word declares in Jeremiah, my word is like a fire. It's like a hammer that breaks the rocks. And Lord, the point is not to destroy us with that hammer or to kill us with that fire. God, it is to burn away and break away all of the things All of the things that that are truly robbing us of the life that you want us to have. Of the peace you want us to have. Of the joy. The fullness of joy that you want us to have. There are no words of a man, God, that can bring that. But Lord, by your Spirit, it can be so. We ask you today, God, to do a work by your Spirit in our hearts. In each of our hearts, God. And Lord, for our friends and our loved ones that we may be concerned for. God, we're not called to be their saviors. Lord, let us have the same trust and the same faith of your Spirit working in them. Bringing them to a place, God. Coming to the rock, coming to the fountain of life. Lord, we're utterly hopeless. We are weak, God. But we rejoice that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Father, I pray today for any and all here who are feeling weak right now. Weak in their body, weak in their mind. Weakened under the pressures of life. That they would not, God, lament over their weakness, but they would rejoice in that weakness. They would begin to see the perfection of your strength working through that weakness. That, Lord, in our weakness, we would finally relinquish control to you. That we would just drop everything and release everything and just fall into your merciful arms of grace and allow you to command our destiny doesn't relieve us of responsibility. But the mystery of faith and the mystery of godliness takes the pressure off of us, enables us to cast our cares on you, knowing that you care for us, Lord. I pray today, Father, for those who are burdened under the cares of this world and of this life, that your care for them would become overwhelming as they cast their cares upon you. Holy Spirit, if you don't work, nothing can be done. So we trust in you to work not just in the hour and a half on Sunday morning, but more importantly, that we would be people of faith who would see through eyes of faith that the Spirit is working, constantly working. You never sleep. You never slumber. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Change us and transform us for your glory. We pray, Lord. Amen. Praise God. God is good, church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a good hand. Rejoice in the Lord. Come on, just lift up a voice. Thank Him. Thank Him for what He's doing. Just thank Him right now. Thank Him for the work He's doing in your life. Say, well, I can't feel Him. I can't see Him. That's all right. Thank Him anyways. It's not dependent on what you can see. It's not dependent on what you can feel. Trust Him. I don't care how big the giants are in your life. You don't look at the giants. You see Jesus. Amen? Praise God. You're dismissed. If there's anyone here that would like...